Words appear. The Meet Me series. More words appear. Brought to you by Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Meet My Blind Life here on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? The show where you get to hear everyday people talking about their everyday lives with blindness. I am your host, Victor Guvea, and if you support this kind of program, smash that like button down and share it with your friends and family so we can hear other stories. You can follow us on Twitter at Blind Who's or on YouTube and our Facebook page. Those are the three places we go live. But if you can't catch us live, you can catch us on podcast catchers everywhere. The Victor line of players, Alexa, the Google Nest. You can also catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts. We're out there everywhere. So you want to be able to tell your story or show other people that blindness is not the be-all and end-all of your existence, send us an email. Meet me on blindlife at gmail.com Again, that's meet me on blindlife at gmail.com Our guest this week is a woman by the name of Kelly Hyde. And we met kind of by accident uh, through her YouTube channel, which she just created. And I thought I would feature her on uh, Meet My Blind Life, if only because she's a wonderful person to talk to and she is absolutely adorable. She's been married since 2016, and she's in a polyamorous relationship with her partner, and uh, they're having a smashing time. So, come listen to Kelly Hahn's interview, and uh, enjoy. Um, I'm going to ask you the first question I ask all my guests. What is your visual acuity? I'm totally blind, so there is no visual acuity whatsoever. <laughs> now, do we know what it stems from? It's retinopathy of prematurity. I was born premature, but mm-hmm. maybe I had a twin brother, and uh, he died a few days after our, we were born because he, he his lungs kept collapsing. He couldn't breathe. He was having convulsions. Um, so uh, with me, they had me in an incubator for about 77 days, if I remember what my mom told me correctly. Um, and I was given too much oxygen as a lot of people my age and our age, I would, you know, have, you know, who are blind. Yes. Um, but I kind of look up, I look at it on the bright side. Like I'd rather have had too much oxygen and be blind than too little oxygen and be brain dead, you know? Yeah. No, um, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, a lot, uh, some people don't look at it that way and, and it's a positive yeah. way to look at things. I have a very interesting perspective about blindness. I think I, I, you know, not the, in the black community, they say black is beautiful um, from, it comes from the sixties and the black power movement. I like to say blind is beautiful. I guess that would be considered co-opting and I don't want to do that, but I do think being blind is a beautiful thing. 
and it's just the attitudinal barriers we deal with that's that causes accessibility issues and it causes problems that's the not beautiful part but that's that's not our fault that's society being a bitch so right <clears throat> i i do believe that i do believe that it's I don't use the word respectable because to me that word leaves me cold, but I think it's awesome to be blind. It's wonderful to be blind. Yeah, um, no, I understand. I love it. I think and, we have and, in the world. <laughs> you know, of course, there's the age-old question, is it better to have been blind all your life or to go blind later in life? I Well, I th I'm pretty grateful that I went blind as a young child because, honestly, I never really thought I was missing anything. Um, I remember growing up and learning Braille, and I'd make fun of my older brother's books because I'm like, ha ha, your books are smooth and they don't say anything. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> He'd go, well, yes, they do. You, I, you just can't see it. And I would be like, well, then it doesn't count. My book says all kinds of things and you can read it with your fingers or you can look at it and cheat. But I read it with my fingers. So I'm better than you. And so are my books. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have brothers and sisters then? Well, I have an older brother. Um he was the one who I mentioned earlier when we were talking before the interview who, you know, he abused me as a child, molested me growing up. So I, we don't, we don't, he's dead to me. Um, but I do have three younger sisters. Um, oh, and, I see. Okay. And my mom and my mother, my parents re both got divorced and they both got remarried. Um, my mom and stepdad uh, did not have kids. He had older kids and then they later got divorced because he was a jerk. But, um, but my dad and my stepmother had three wonderful little, younger girls they're my half sisters and that's those the they're the ones i consider family um right you know um i have other people in my life who i consider brothers from another mother and those are who my those are my real brothers but <laughs> well i have to i i have to ask and and i'm not asking this because because of ignorance well, sure. no, it is because of ignorance. I simply don't know. Sure. Psychologically speaking, is it possible that you're a lesbian now because of the abuse you suffered as a child? I would, you know, that's that's a question. That's a very loaded question because, um, well, the, the short answer is absolutely not. Because, honestly, um, that... I, I'm very careful of that question because I have had people ask me this question who have an agenda. They're basically leading up to this religious agenda where they say, well, you know, if, if you let God heal that, then you'll be, then you'll, the, you know, you can overcome, you know, your homosexuality. Right, the converter. Yeah, so no, um, <laughs> no, I'm sure did it, I'm, it may have played a part in pushing me in that direction, but I don't think that, because you know what, in my early, when I was in my twenties, I was married to a man. Mm -hmm. I did. I was married to a guy. Um, right. And I, I, I was attracted to men in the first. Now I, I was attracted to women too. But having been raised, I mean, you're, you're we're, we're we're similar age. You know how it was. We were all, we yeah. were raised in mm -hmm. compulsory. What do you call it? Compulsory heterosexuality, yes. um, where you're expected to be straight. Um, mm -hmm. So. You know, it's, I had crushes on guys, but I did sometimes have crushes on women. I just, because I was raised in a more religious background, um, I was raised Lutheran, more liberal, but still religious. So I didn't think I was supposed to have feelings for women. And so when I did, I kind of just went, nope, uh, those, that goes over here. Um, Is but it safe to assume that you might have been afraid to have crushes on the on the women? 
Probably, I would say, yeah, back then, yes, because yeah. I thought it was wrong. Um, but I did have, you know, I, I did have feelings for men. They were real and they weren't just me trying to make myself fit into the straight uh, mold. Um, right. I did have, and so for a time, um, now while I was married to my husband, it became very abundantly clear that I did not enjoy um, sexual relations with a man. I'll just put it that way because, mm -hmm. you know, this we're interviewing and I don't want to get, I don't want to get into too, I don't want to say to be too blunt and be offensive here, but sure. um, no, no, by all means, I didn't enjoy those things. So I enjoyed cuddling. I enjoyed hugging. <clears throat> you'll, you'll, you, I have a hair fetish. So hair is also very, um, I, I love hair. So, you know, um, wait, body hair or head hair? No, no, no hair on your head, body hair. No hair. Okay. On your head, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that later. I'm sure it'll pop up, but I ha I love hair. So, um, you know, I would love to cuddle, play with hair. Um, but when it came to the more intimate details with a man, I just, you know, it became very clear with me that I didn't enjoy that as much with. Right. Um, I think I had one other partner later after I was divorced and it was okay, but, but it wasn't really um, till I became, you know, had sex with women um, and relationships, love relationships with women that I really felt that I blossomed. I mean, I I'll even say this, I brought with, you know, I, when I came into lesbian land, I brought my, old crush on Weird Al Yankovic. So I, I have a joke that I'm, you know, I'm a hundred percent lesbian, but I'll be a teeny bit ho uh, homo flexible for Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we should, you can put it on, I guess. It's just a joke, right? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, I get that. I guess, but yeah, I, I do. Uh, well, Al has long curly hair. That's a big part of that thing right. for beautiful hair. Um, <laughs> but his music also got me through some difficult times growing up. Um, right, right. When, when I basically tried to tell my mother about what my brother was doing and I wasn't, you know, at that time she wasn't, she, she just wasn't able to support me. Um, um, I think she's gotten better over the years, but he is still kind of the family favorite. So, but Al's music kind of got me through that. Um, you know, um, somebody in our school also committed suicide and I was briefly considering that myself because it was I was in a very dark place you know I wasn't being believed or supported about the abuse yeah. so to have you know and then have a friend introduce me to Weird Al's music it's like there's something that I can listen to that will make me laugh and just get me out of myself and I can kind of escape into this wacky weird land of hilarious and ridiculously over the top you know funny you know song yeah and it just it was um it was a very healing, healing experience. And so um, it must, it must've been difficult for you not having, or at least turning to the people you thought would help you, but didn't. No, it was very rough. Um, it was really rough. I, when I grew up, I, uh, you know, went away to college. I went to, I was very lucky because there were a couple of schools I was offered scholarships and the one that was full ride was very far away from where I grew up. So I jumped at that. And that yeah. was when I began to do, I went, you know, I, I began to do my healing. I went into therapy. I went into group sessions. I did, you know, um, I really started, uh, you know, I, I, my friends are my chosen family. It happens a lot of gay and lesbian people or just in the whole LGBTQ alphabet. A lot of us, if we come from very, conservative families where we get kicked out or we're not accepted we mm. we we end up having friends and loved ones who become our chosen family and i think the same happens for those of us who are abused and who aren't believed or who are yes. scapegoated we also do the same thing so yeah
yeah. going back to your schooling, were you mainstreamed? Or? Yes, I was. I was. Uh, I, I went to camp with some blind kids who weren't, um, mm -hmm. and I heard some of the horror stories and I about what happened to them in the in this in the dorms. So I was always grateful that I'd been mainstreamed. Sometimes I wished I could go to school with a bunch of blind kids because we get each other. But all the horror right. stories I've heard about the schools and what they do to kids, I'm really glad now that I wasn't that in the, that yes. I was mainstreamed. <laughs> Yeah, there there have been horror stories I've heard. They, um, they're not and pretty. Having said that, I mean, how were your peers around you? I mean, was it just a typical everyday, you know, hi, Kelly, how are you, blah, blah, blah? I would say to a degree. I mean, when I was um, the first maybe 10, 11 years of my life, I lived in Wisconsin. So I went to a Catholic school that had you know, she, there was a, there's a, there, one of the, there was a nun who had a resource room in which the blind children were taught Braille. And okay. when you were really little, you spent more of your time there. And as you grew older, you spent more and more of your time in your mainstream classes, but you could still go back to her for, you know, a brush up in math or maybe learning your contracted Braille a little bit more and things like that. So mm -hmm. um, I, to be honest with you, I did have some sighted peers I would say earlier in my or earlier in my younger childhood, I didn't have much use for them. <laughs> I right. had a friend that I played with and we were, I, I don't know if anyone else has had this experience, but I have to tell you this funny story. We, my friend Steven and I loved to play together. We were inseparable and they were determined that you're being mainstream. So by God, you're going to learn to play with your sighted peers. Well, uh -huh. so you'd go to, re, you know, Steve, you know, they would assign Steven and I each with a partner. And every week, you know, we'd get assigned a new partner for so a whole week we had to play with this partner we had been assigned to play with um, that we didn't really want to play with. And they didn't want to play with us either, if we're honest. And so we'd sit there bored out of our gourd while they're playing square ball or whatever you four square or whatever you call it. Um, dodgeball, all those dodgeball. Stupid, <laughs> pointless, stupid games. I never even figured out what the whole goal or just was. <laughs> So finally, Stephen and I kind of, you know, we figured out the we figured out which of the sighted uh, students we could trust when we were assigned to them, yes. and we would have them. So what we would do is we, you know, we'd go, you know, we'd stand in line with our partner like good little girls and boys, and then when we got outside, our partners would bring us to each other, and they promised to come get us at the end of recess, and then we'd just sit in the playground and play and have a, day, a grand old time, <laughs> <laughs> and it, which it worked beautifully until we until one of our partners one time forgot to come get us. <laughs> and oh, okay, you know. But I think they figured out they weren't going to keep us apart at some point. So you know, right. they still tried because they have to. They're the teachers. They're in the authority. But we got around that because we didn't have you know um, we and some. I would say some of we both had some sighted friends or peers. Mm -hmm. And I would say as I got older, I became, you know, there just weren't, there, you know, when I was in, um, I would say fifth or sixth grade, when we moved to California, we had an, I went to a different school where they had a resource room, but this school only went up till sixth grade, not, not the eighth grade. Right. And so in great, you know, again, there were some blind kids I could talk to and play with, but some of them had other disabilities and, um, I just didn't connect with them in quite the same way. And then as I grew older, I you know, junior high and high school, it was completely mainstreamed. If you needed practice with Braille, we had an itinerant teacher who would pull up in this van uh, and I would be allowed to go sit with them in their van for, you know, fifth period or whatever it was and mm -hmm. practice, work on my geometry lessons or whatever, you know, because you, you get into, you know, I don't know if, you're, if your listeners 
can relate to this, but having been blind all my life, when, you know, when I had to take geometry and they introduced us to three-dimensional figures, the drawings made absolutely no sense. And they, they would try to explain to me, well, those squiggly lines represent the third, you know, that it's a sta it's standing up. And I'm like, I don't get it. And I'd have teachers have to, with, you know, if they want to show me a cylinder, a drawing of a cylinder, they'd end up bringing in a cup and showing me the cup. Or they, okay. you know, they'd bring in three-dimensional objects because I'm like, this drawing doesn't look like what you're telling me. It, this is not a cube. This is a squarish thing with weird squiggly lines. No, the squiggly lines represent that it's a cube. All right, I'll take your word for it, but it makes no sense. And the so only way you were, you were more of a tactile learner. I was, but I, you know, yeah. but I couldn't, I did not understand that three-dimensional drawings weren't going to three feel three-dimensional. Right. So you didn't get the concept of the three-dimensional drawings without actually feeling the three-dimensional shape. Exactly. I had to have somebody, um, you know, I had, I had, luckily I had a couple of good teachers who would bring like a Rubik's cube. Okay. This is a cube. That's a, here's an, you know, see this ice cream cone and there, there's your cone. That's your, um, you know, and then when they would have drawings of parts cut out of it, they'd have to like, they would have to take that styrofoam cup and cut a part out of it or do something. And yes, cause it just wasn't making sense to me. So, right. you know, I'm sure those of us with ROP and who haven't, who, who didn't once have sight can probably relate. Cause I know other people who are like the same way where they're like, I don't get it. I'm like, I don't need to, don't ask me. <laughs> I'm cu I'm curious. Did they have pop cans in those days? Soda cans? Yeah, they did. They did, right? Yeah, so did. I, I'm surprised they, might, they didn't just get one of those. They did sometimes, but what? But the problem was that the pop can had. It's not just a straight cylinder. I mean, imagine picture a pop can sitting in front of you. You've got a cylinder, yes, but towards the top it narrows up a little bit, right? And then you've got the little tab that you open. And they wanted to just show me a cylinder as exact as the drawing was, not. You know, I see. See okay. what I'm saying? It's not. It, it's not an exact. Yeah, it's a cylinder, but it narrows. Um, uh, the lip of it. The, you have the lip of it there, and you've got the little tab in the middle. And there's things that aren't represented in the drawing that they're trying to get you to understand. So you have they sure. have to be very precise. But sure. that, yeah, but soda cans. I mean, I think, you know, I don't know. We may have used one if they were just trying to show me one part of it and saying, "Don't you know? Don't pay attention to the lip. Just feel this part. That's what the drawing looks like." They might right. have done that, but yeah, it was mostly styrofoam cups. And it was um, like a Rubik's cube, um, yes. things like that. Cream. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I, I've uh, I wasn't born blind. I was I Ooh. was born premature. Okay. And I had to wear Coke bottle glasses most of my life. Oh. But but okay. learning learning that stuff. It, it up until grade eight. It was it, it it was easy. However, um, other things in grade eight started rearing its ugly head, and I had to fail grade eight. Oh, so I, yeah, I would have gotten my butt kicked if I failed. I, I failure wasn't an option, but I think yeah. that one semester I got a B in math, and my dad said, "You're going to get you know you you are capable of A's, and we're, you're going to work harder on your homework." I'm like. Come on, it's math. It's a four-letter word. Do I have to? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or as Rachel and, says, it's a four-legged word. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. I had uh, old country parents. Oh, no. And my parents just weren't able to, A, communicate with my teachers very well. Oh. And 
and B, they weren't interested in um, in my schooling because I should have been working for a living, not going to school. Oh, my goodness. Wait, old country. Are you from the Philippines as well? No, Portugal. Portugal. Oh, that's. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I came I came here when I was two. So I really consider myself Canadian, even okay. though the government doesn't. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's this huge argument that people give me. Well, why don't you get your Canadian citizenship? And I say, what the fuck for? <laughs> well, I mean, everything everything you Canadians get, I get, except I don't have to vote in the elections. <laughs> but don't you don't want to vote? Why would I? <laughs> Well, why wouldn't you? Because, I mean, you know, I sometimes I feel like with voting, you know, sometimes I get tired of it because you don't I don't like the candidates being offered. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you know, uh, like my like I, I mentioned that my wife was French Creole and part of being the French Creole, you know, makeup of a French Creole person is usually that they're French, like they are descended from French nobility that came mm -hmm. to the United States and settled in New Orleans. Yeah. And then th those French men made, um, you know, had babies with black women, Native American women, um, and all kinds of other people that, um, and so most people who are French Creole are part, part black and part uh, Native American of different nations. And they, um, and so um, Rachel's people maybe, hundred years ago um, could have been, could have been slaves. They could have been, she's light skinned. So she might've been allowed as a slave that mm -hmm. worked in the house, not in the fields, but you know, so there there's conceivably people in her family who might not have been able to vote before the sixties. And so even if you don't like your candidates that you're giving, that you're, that you're given as options, I don't like to take for granted the right to vote because there's been, there are people in our country that didn't used to have that right such mm -hmm. as women. I don't know when Canada, when Canada started allowing women to vote, but the United States did not until I think the 1920s, I want to say, you know, and then black people couldn't vote until the sixties, I think, or fifties. Right. So yeah, um, we've, we've always been integrated for okay. the most part. Well, that's good. Um, having said that for me, voting is not such a big deal. Yeah. Okay. The one thing, yeah. the one thing i I bitch about are people who complain but don't vote. Yeah, it's like you. you really I don't, don't complain vote. about. I don't complain about the government. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you and 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 I understand that you feel like your voice isn't being heard, and maybe if you're into these conspiracy theories about shadow governments, well, that's fine. But it's, right. But it, you know, you that's fine. And if the sky is pink on your planet, I'm happy for you too. But it's. You know, if you're going to, yeah. if you, politics is that important to you, then you need to vote. Otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's it, isn't it? I mean, I, I will protest when there's a, a thing that I don't, that I believe should be changed. Sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. But, sure. you know, I will not criticize the government for doing this or that because A, I don't know what they have to work with and B, who am I to judge what they're doing is good or bad? I don't run the country. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So, I, mean, I think we have a right to our opinions, but if we're going to have them. We really should vote because yeah. whatever, even if the even if the voice we have is minimal, we still have one, and we better not take it for granted. 
and that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only the only politician I've ever complained about was Trump. No, who didn't complain? <laughs> <laughs> actually, there's a few. Actually, okay, yeah, he has he does have some supporters, but other than them, who doesn't complain? <laughs> I have a few choice names. Do you have any Trump supporters watching this show? Because I won't go any further with my comment. But if if most of them aren't, I'll tell it you. It doesn't matter if they do. I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. the fact well, is. They're tuning in to hear about someone's someone's life and opinions, and if they don't like it, <laughs> there are millions of other shows they can tune in. To. That's true. Well, that's okay. So, you're if you're not quieting opinions down about politics, then yeah, one of my friends in the blind community calls Trump supporters Trump pansies, and I just found that so hilarious. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, I just, I'm like Trump pansy. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I swear there are so many people in uh, uh, Arizona who who I know who are blind and like Trump. They're fervent Trump supporters. I, how? What did I just? I just have one question. What did he Why? ever do for us? I don't okay. know. This is the same guy who would cut social programs that we depend on. He made fun exactly. of people with disabilities. Okay, why? Oh, but then again, it's the same thing. Why are so many blind people Christians? And I don't just mean Christians, but they're very, but very conservative Christians and very homophobic Christians. Yes. You know, it's because unfortunately those are the churches that are the loudest and they're the churches that do the most braille and the most outreach. And those of us in the pagan community and the new age and progressive communities, we need to we need to buck up and start producing Braille and for doing the kind of outreach just as aggressively. Because, yes. you know, for those of us blind people who don't fit that, I'm a good little blind Christian mold and I'm conservative and I'm straight and I'm whatever. You know, some of us don't fit that nicely. I'm one of them and it's so frustrating. <laughs> right. And and that begs a question. I mean, a lot of uh, my viewers don't know this and I do because we've been talking for so long, but you are a lesbian. That's correct. I'm a lesbian. Polyamorous lesbian. I am a polyamorous lesbian. I use the word lesbiamorous because I want to distinguish myself from, like the majority of women who are polyamorous that I see that are visible are also bisexual or pansexual. So right. they have relationships with all with both gen. I, I won't say both genders because there's also non-binary and there's many other in between, you know, there's transgender, there's, all kinds of people. So yeah, let's not get into the. Uh, we'll get into it. But <laughs> but there. But but my point there being that um, I'm a lesbian. But I I am not a bisexual woman. I used to think I was for a time, but I'm a, I've been a lesbian probably for fifteen years, maybe. Um, and so I'm lesbiamorous. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, growing up, you you made reference to the fact that you're a pagan slash Wiccan. Exactly. Uh, yes. But you grew up Catholic. No, I grew I grew up Lutheran, but I went to a Catholic school, so I had um, I had I, I'm familiar with the Catholic faith. My wife is also Catholic, and so um, so yeah, I'm very I'm very I'm pretty familiar with the Catholic traditions because the Lutheran tradition is she teases me and says I'm Catholic light, and Episcopals are also Catholic light um, right. because we do some of the same liturgy and some of the same ritual, but we but there's a few things that we do a little different. Um, so yeah, I was raised Lutheran, and I'm now what um, what was what I would call myself a feminist witch or a 
inclusive Dianic witch because uh, traditional Dianic witches, um, they're radical feminists and going back to the LGBT community, they, they do not support the T in, you know, the trend, you know, they don't um, acknowledge transgender women to be women and don't include them. So I find that very disturbing. Um, I practice in a women's circle that has that viewpoint, but there's a, there's, you know, we had a conversation and they respect my views as long as I respect their rules and that's fine. Um, but I also practice in private with other, with women who are transgender and um, with um, once, you know, and, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm mm -hmm. on myself, a, and a Dianic, which also, or feminist, which means that we only worship the goddess. We generally don't, um, we don't really worship gods. We don't necessarily, we don't mind other people doing it. We, we're not going to come out and say they don't exist or they're not real. And we would never do that or say that you can't worship them. We just, we prefer to focus all our attention on the goddess because mm -hmm. um, from a feminist perspective, um, you know, women and goddess uh, figures have been oppressed for over 2000 years. Well, a lot longer than 2000 years, really. So mm -hmm. we, you know, for us, it's about lifting up the feminine and it's about seeing God uh, through feminist perspective. Um, and, right. You know, I mean, when you think of God as the creator, well, who, who, you know, in the animal and human kingdom, who does the birth giving females, who does, you know, who nurses the children and, and sustains life by giving, you know, you know, by nursing their little babies, women do. Yeah. So it only makes sense to us that the, that, that God is a woman and that she, that the creatrix is a, is a goddess, a woman. So yeah. that's kind of where that comes from. Have you ever watched the movie Dogma? Oh God, years ago. I loved it. It's been too long though. I want to see it again. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, apparently you can't get it anywhere now. What? Are you yeah. serious? It's officially off the market because there's so much controversy to it oh, for that fun. Kevin Smith pulled it off the shelf. What? Yeah. But Atlantis more set, right? I know. What? And that's why I think God should be female. <laughs> Exactly. It pisses off the men. <laughs> it does piss off the men, doesn't it? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Having said that, I mean, at what point did you switch from, okay, let's say Christian religion yeah. to to the Wiccan religion? And, and was there any impetus that made you turn to that direction? Oh gosh, it's a long journey that I took. I mean, I would say, where did it be? I guess where it started was when I was in college, probably. I started, you know, first I got into stones and crystals. Um, but, you know, as a, you know, the first little, the first thing I did when I started college, being a good little Christian girl, was find a good little Christian group to belong to, you know, do right. Bible studies, do church, do the whole thing. Well, yeah. Oh, but uh, at some point, I think I really started questioning. Like I had, I met I met this man who was gay. Um, I was a uh, part of freshman orientation, and then I the next the year after I in my sophomore year I I I was a freshman orientation counselor, and um, we had speakers come in and talk from different perspectives. And one of them, we had a panel from the Gay and Lesbian Student Union or whatever they were called um, back then. Maybe it was gay, lesbian, and bisexual. I don't know, but anyway. So I I there was this one guy who was speaking, and I walked up to him afterwards and said, "Hey." Um, listen, just to be upfront here, I'm a Christian and I was taught all this stuff about being gay that I'm just not, I don't know what I think about it, but I'd really like to get to know you and as a friend and get your perspective on life. 
because I was taught a certain way and I think I would like to learn how you think and what you believe and how you feel. And I think that was the beginning of my journey towards questioning all the things that I'd been taught. Um, right. Which incidentally, the Lutheran church that I was brought up in, the, that particular branch is now LGBTQ affirming. Um, okay. But at the time they were not as much or it wasn't, it wasn't official in the church. There were some individual churches that probably were doing it underground. And I, mm -hmm. that, that started happening more, I would say later, maybe later 90s, early thousands. I don't know. But so it began with that. And then um, just things that I began to question more and more. And I would, I think when I was a junior or senior in college, a friend of mine invited me on a weekend retreat. He and his wife were, um, they had some land and they were doing um, a celebration of May Day. Um, and they had, um, they had a special uh, tent set up. The Russian May Day. No, made the pagan like Beltane, Beltane. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I, I mean, yes, it could be Russian, but I think it's, I think it comes from Celtic tradition more. At least what we did. So okay. we had, um, the you know the night before May Day, they did a sweat lodge, and they also had what they called a moon lodge for women who, because women who were having their periods could get dehydrated if they go into a sweat lodge, because yes. they're already and they're all, they're seen as already they're giving of their blood. So they're already cleansing themselves. So it's better if you're on your period that you be in a lodge that, that, that you're not sweating and giving up even more nutrients and water. Yeah. Um, and, and also because when we're on our period, it's believed that our magic is very potent. And so we get to have a special, I guess, place. It's, it's a misconception that we're seen as less than, so we can't go and, you know, we can't be around men on our periods, but it's actually, it was actually meant to to give us a space of our own and to make our period a blessing and an honor. And that was the first time I've ever heard of, of a woman's period being honored and celebrated instead of talked about that it's a curse. And yeah. so that was where I first heard about the goddess and, um, and thought, Whoa, wait a minute. Um, and it, it still took a lot longer before I was ready to fully come out of the broom closet as we witches call it. Right. Um, I did, you know, still, I, 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 I still, you know, I, I have a connection with Jesus that I, I remember having as a very young child before I started becoming indoctrinated, so to speak. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to not have that. So it took me years before I realized, wait, I can, you know, still have the connection with Jesus and still be a pagan because I just found that I wasn't finding, my soul wasn't being fed with the church as much anymore. It wasn't being fed, you know, there, there's doctrines and beliefs that are fine, but they weren't answering some of the deeper questions that my soul yearned for. And yes. so, you know, traditional Dianics only work with female deities. And, you know, I, I'm not a very traditional Dianic again, because I'm an inclusive of all women, but also I do have a, I do work with Jesus in my private practice. I don't necessarily invite him into a, a women's circle because we're there to just focus on the, on goddess and female, mm -hmm. Female, divine feminine, but um, I will work with Jesus sometimes in my practice because we have a very loving and deep relationship that I had with him as a Christian and didn't want to leave behind when I left Christianity. Yeah. So I would say, let's see, by the time it was my mid thirties, I started um, kind of calling myself a Christian pagan or a Christo pagan, or, you know, I would say the goddess and Jesus rather than God and Jesus. I'd say the goddess and Jesus, but I would, I think about, hmm, it, I was starting to come out of that broom closet when Rachel and I got together when I was 42, we met, I'd say probably in the last five, six years, because I'm 51 now. So I'd say by the time I was 45, maybe 43 is when mm -hmm. I started saying, okay, I'm really, I really don't think I'm a Christian. I think I'm a, I'm a pagan. 
or witch. I call myself a pagan or a witch. Sometimes I say Wiccan, but I'm more often I say witch or pagan only because there are certain beliefs in Wicca that um, are distinct from other forms of witchcraft and paganism that I do believe in that are right. not necessarily. So, like so, when we talked about spells and curses earlier, most Wiccans would have told you that under no circumstances can you ever, ever do a, a hex or a curse. And I would never do one, but I will not tell someone else what they should or shouldn't do either. Right. So, so I'm going to appease the male listeners at this point <laughs> and ask the question that's on their mind. Okay. <laughs> and I think you know what that question is. Probably, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, do you do the naked moon dance? <laughs> okay. Uh, Nanya? No, just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, do I do it? Um, gosh, well, that is a that is a kind of a personal question. I'm just going to answer it in this way. Um, um, no. I mean, I, <laughs> okay, that's it. I, I mean, I practice the, the the circles that I practice with, you know, um, we have not really done a nude. We don't really do it nude, uh -huh. but uh, that does not mean that we can't or shouldn't or don't in our own private practice. So um, I, you know, there are some goddess festivals that happen in which we do um, they now let me emphasize these goddess festivals are for women only usually men are not allowed yeah. so uh, for those who like the peep show i hate to disappoint you but you're not you wouldn't be invited to a goddess festival and unless if you, you have a telescope i get it yeah but yeah. uh so sometimes we will have things like that and and you know dress is optional you can you can run around nude um and there are covens where they will do star clad spells so i'm not saying i never i wouldn't be open to it i just really haven't I don't think I even did it on the weekend when I was at um, that retreat back in college because I was on my period. So right. I didn't want to leave a mess, messy, bloody trail everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I, um, I, I get so, that. No, I, sure. So I guess the short answer is no, but that but that doesn't mean I wouldn't in the right coven or circle or circumstances. Um, yeah. There, you know, to, to answer your question, there's a there's a poem called The Charge of the Goddess or The Charge of the Star Goddess in which a lot of pagans will quote or, may, you know, and they'll say, one of the lines is that, you know, and when the moon is full, you know, you will dance naked, you know, in the, in a, in the woods and I will show you the secrets of magic or I don't, I'm not quoting it correctly, but something to that degree. So that's an understandable question. <laughs> no, no, I get, I get that. And, and, and the fact is uh, a lot of guys and I say this, well, I, I, maybe a lot of women also, they have that pre misconception that, the Wiccan religion is sexual by nature. It's, it's okay. Let me, it's not okay. If you, if it, if the, well, look here, if the question is, do we run around having orgies Gen, on a no, general basis? No, but, but the thing about Wicca and paganism is that we also don't have shame around sexuality. We're more sex positive in, in general. Mm -hmm. uh, now, one of the reasons I do practice with women only is because as a lesbian, frankly, I don't really want to be running around naked with men. Um, right. That especially that I don't know. Um, but yes, there are covens where you know, and there are both. There are mixed gender covens where I believe they will do star clad, um, and there are also women's circles. As I said, there's women's women's goddess festivals where it is women only, and there mm -hmm. and they also run around you know star clad. But um, so I think the reason we do that is because we don't. 
you know, there's no shame in being sexual. There's no, first of all, everything isn't about um, that last part of intercourse in which, you know, right. It's, uh, there's also the sensuality. There's also the touch and the, there's the, you know, there's this, just the sensuality of life. Just, you know, that we celebrate, you know, when the earth, you know, when spring comes and we're celebrating the budding of, you know, the, the flowers budding and the, the fecundity of mother earth, she's becoming fertile and the, you know, and there's a sense of play and happiness and joy. So it, you know, it isn't necessarily that we're running around bumping uglies and stuff. It's just that we're, but we're more positive about sexuality and sensuality. You know, but I mean, um, how did you meet your wife? Oh, we met on chemistry.com. Um, I'm sorry, did you say chemistry.com? Chemistry.com. Yes. Um, you know, this was before you had all the swipe swipe right dating apps. You still could go online on a computer. <laughs> um, okay. Now, uh, when we when we opened up our relationship to become polyamorous, we did not. Um, I did find out that some of these mainstream sites, you know, Match.com, uh, Chemistry.com, you can't be married and polyamorous and expect to date on those sites. They will not, you know, they're not very poly friendly. They assume if you're married and you're dating, you're cheating. And it's like, no, we're not. Yeah. But but yes, we met on chemistry.com. I had just, it's a funny story. Um, I had tried several dating sites that were geared for lesbians and they just weren't working out. Um, I'm a, part of it is I'm picky. I'm a feminine woman and I don't fit that stereotype of the feminine lesbian who dates women who are masculine or butch as we call it. I don't find, um, they just don't ring, you know, I think masculine and butchy women are fabulous. I think they are, they have they've got balls for being themselves and they good for them that they don't um, live, live by gender roles that are, that are expected of them. I think it's wonderful. But having mm -hmm. said that, I'm very much attracted to feminine women with longer hair and maybe a softer demeanor and voice. And not that they have to be little, um, you know, little wussies or anything, but you know, if, 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 if it's a woman walking around asking you to call her book, you know, call her Biff and, you know, she's got a little buzz cut and, you know, she rides bikes and she's into cars and football and she talks in a deep voice. She's probably not going to ring my bells quite as much. Um, okay. I find, okay. That, you know, even it's when the I, hair, isn't it? It's the hair. That's, I know. That's, let's, yeah, that's the biggest thing, if we're honest. But So you yeah. were into white snake, were you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know. Especially Slack. White Snake, yeah, uh huh. Skid Row, I know. Here I go again on my own. That's right. <laughs> um, no, I do. I'm, I have a hair thing. We'll get. I'll. T I, if you want me to explain hair, um, I, I have had a form of synesthesia. Do you know what synesthesia is? I think so. It has to means do with sensing colors. It, that's one kind of it. Yes. Synesthesia means when you have two or more senses that mix together. And the most common one is people who like they listen to music and it has beautiful colors or maybe colors have a beautiful melody or right. uh, for me, it's a texture and sound thing. Mostly um, sometimes when I listen to music, it can, it also has flavors and textures. Um, so that's why you were a tactile learner. That's probably, I would, yeah, I think so. Um, Hair, um, in particular, textures of hair feel like different musical pitches. And so right. they they feel slash sound, for lack of a better word. And they, the, the pitches, the notes that I feel in hair, they pulse and beep for me. Sure. Um, 
So when I was about three years old or whatever, I started touching hair going beep, 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 whatever the note was. But I didn't know how to explain it. I would just be like, your hair beeps so pretty, beep, 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 beep. Um, you know, and That's I so cute. <laughs> thank you. Now my hair is long and straight, and so I didn't know anyone who had naturally curly hair. If you know, in my family, if you wanted curly hair, you had to set your hair. You had to curl it with rollers and things, and put you know. Yes. And so curly hair was so special to me that I made up my own word for the for the way it beeped. Um, if I beeped someone with curly hair, I would say "sit you." S I T C H O O. I don't know where I got this from, but there was a song. Go. There was a song called "Summer" by War um, that came out at that oh time. Oh my God! Do you listen to War? Some of their stone stuff, yeah. I mean, and it had a little grace note, like the trumpet would go da 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 da. And uh -huh. I kind of, I'm like, oh, suit you. That's kind of where the word. I just. That's the, I made up that word from that sound. I'm like, that's what curly hair does. Sit you. <laughs> and then later I grew up and I realized, oh, it, the, the note I hear in curly hair is not called situ. It's called D natural. Oh, learn some, you know, and I, you know, I got older and learned right. for the musical pitches. But so, um, so part of my hair thing is that certain musical notes just speak to me. Um, this is where the crush on Weird Al comes from. For anybody who doesn't already know, I can't imagine anyone on this planet who doesn't at this point in time, but Al has long curly hair. Um, very curly <laughs> hair. <laughs> I've actually got to meet him a couple of times. So, um, Oh, did you? Really? Yes, I did. Oh, gosh. that's a. Do you want to hear that story? Am I, am I rambling? Oh, no. Go for it. I, I, I would love to hear that. So, yeah. so Al... Um, so as I think I mentioned, I, I don't know if, if, if we were interviewing at this time when I told you earlier, but um, I, I, you know, Al's music. Uh, I was introduced to Al's music, I think, when I was about 14. Um, I had just tried to, you know, come out to people in my family about the fact that my older brother was molesting me and I wasn't really supported or believed. He's, you know, that's changed to some degree. You know, they've, they've figured it out by now because I stopped speaking with him after I, you know, I sang at his wedding, after, you know, and said, I'm done. I'm never, I, I'm never dealing with you again. Um, and I think they, you know, I even quit talking to my family for a time because I didn't think they respected my wishes. Um, and we've since reconciled, but there's an understanding that I will have nothing to do with him. And if they try to force it, I will again, stop talking to them and it'll be permanent. Right. And so um, at the time that um, I would say it was in 1997, I, must have been 26 or seven years old. I don't know. Um, but we heard that Weird Al was coming to concert. Um, now, I lived in San Luis Obispo at this time. I had gone to California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo, which they call Cal Poly for short. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, I, I, I'd forgotten about this. But when I was young, 14 or 15 and just learning about Al, I heard he'd gone. He'd, he had actually gone to Cal Poly and studied architecture. So, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'd been graduated for a couple of years and still lived there. And, and we heard that, you know, they were opening a new performing arts center and Al was going to be playing at it. And I just, I was like, oh, you know, and at the time I was with my husband and I said, I need to, I need to thank Al for his music saving my life, you know, because I, it literally brought me back from the brink of wanting to commit suicide. And mm -hmm. I just felt I was, you know, my mom was like, you can't tell any of your friends about what you and Kevin did. That was another thing. 
you know, it was what you and him, what you and your brother did. No, it was what he did to me. But right. at the, we got there eventually. But no. Um, so you can't tell anybody what they what he what you guys did or else we'll be, you know, you'll be taken away from me and put in foster care and all the all the scare tactics and things. And sure. So Al's music really just, it get, you know, having, you know, being able to wake up and look forward to getting up in the morning to play his album while I'm getting ready for school or you know, after my, you know, when I come home from math class, I get to go listen to Al's music. So I got, I'm going to do my best and work really hard and reward myself, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I actually wrote a poem and I made two braille copies of this poem because I decided I was going to be shameless and use the blind card. If I put this, if I give him a braille copy of it, he'll be curious, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which I think, and I think it worked. Um, I actually read a poem. I read the poem on the cassette tape for him. Um, right. I also put a, a couple of crystals and stones in the, in, in, the, in a little gift bag with the cassette. And mm -hmm. I, I had a, I bought a bottle of uh, frankincense and myrrh anointing oil because for me that represents healing. And I gave, I, I made two of them, one that I kept and one I gave to him with his crystals. Um, and one of the crystals I gave him had a sister crystal that I kept so that, you know, he would have a part, I would have a part. And, um, I, you know, left the gift with security or whomever it was, you know, and I'm sitting in the seats with my husband at the time and a friend of ours. And someone comes out and says, yeah, are you Kelly, you know, Bailey? Because that was my last name at the time. I'm like, yeah, yes. Al was really touched by your gift. He'd like you to come backstage and meet him. And oh, <laughs> I was so excited. So I got to meet him and I said to him, you know, there was a line of people waiting. So I was very brief and I kind of brief. I said, look, look. You know, I wrote you a poem. You can listen to it at your leisure. It explains to you the details of why your music helped me. But I just want you to know that your it, your music did help me through some really horrific times. And I want to thank you for that. And I explained what the gifts were. And I asked him if I could, you know, I asked him if I could touch his hair. I said, I've always been curious if it's curly or, you know, I've been told how curly it is. I want to, is it okay if I touch it? And he said, sure. So to myself, I'm going... Beep, 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 beep. But of course, I'm not singing it out loud because I don't want to keep him waiting while I explain beeping and there's other people waiting to meet him. Oh, <laughs> so, you were dying to, though. But I wanted to. So to myself, I'm beep, 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 beep. You yeah, know? yeah. Give him a big old hug. You know, um, it was so, just so deeply, just so touching and moving for me. I get back to my seat and the first thing out of my husband's mouth is, what note does Al's hair beep in? I'm like... <laughs> natural hun it says sit you he she's and our friend is like see did you tell him i'm like no i'm she, i was you know he's got other people want a meeting and i wanted to get my hug and i wanted to tell him how how much he meant to me and his music meant to me i didn't want to you know but i met him again in 2006 when he came out with straight out of linwood or straight mm -hmm. out of linwood i'm not saying it right and he um he was doing signings for the cd and i that time I did ask him if I could touch his hair and I did explain the beeping and the synesthesia. Um, and he said he remembered me. I was like, if you, you know, if you really actually do, that's wonderful. And if you don't, thank you for being gracious and, and kind and saying you remember me anyway. That was so sweet. <laughs> but I hear he remembers his fans. So I've heard from a, from, from a few fans that he really does remember his fans. <laughs> that's amazing. That is an Imagine, I swear to God, that is something I can't even imagine meeting <laughs> a hero of yours like that. Yes, he he he's such a and he's such a genuine, 
kind, kind human being. Um, you know, if you're into Al and you've ever wanted to meet him, it's a treat if you get if you get to do that. These days, I think his company takes advantage of our fandom and they charge lots of money to meet and greet. You have to pay like, I think, 250 or $300 to meet him. So I'm very grateful I got to do that because I don't have that kind of money lying around generally now. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So back then, you know, the fact that I got to do that for free, for free, you know, I don't take my my blessings for granted as well, at all. Yeah, um, no. I, and I think I that's another imagine. reason that, that I got into the goddess faith was because I was still healing from all the shame of being abused and not being believed. And um, there's just so much healing and feminine, you know, the divine feminine and goddess spirituality for women. We learn to love ourselves. We learn to love our bodies and accept ourselves and not kind of let go of all the internalized shame we tend to get from patriarchy, if you know what I mean. So. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, that is such an amazing thing to think about when you get to meet your, your hero and, and yeah. you get to meet them for free. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that must have made it all the more amazing. It truly was. It truly was. And you know, in, in Al's defense, I I do see I singers do tend to charge even more than three three hundred or two fifty. I've heard of singers charging thousands of dollars to meet them. Yeah. So, you know, I guess we all and have. That's to it, isn't it? I mean, stardom some sometimes. Uh, take its it takes its toll on people. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine. Um, you know, but he's still around. He's still touring. Um, in fact, he just. He's. I think he's in Europe right now. I saw him in October, and I've gotten to be some good friends with some of his, some fans of his. And one of them went to see him last weekend, and you know, she had a lovely experience. She paid for that meet and greet. <laughs> yeah. No, he's in his sixties now, isn't he? Yes, he? he's sixty three. I think. Yeah, he's yeah. sixty three. Yeah, yeah, he's right up there. I am. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely a devotee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything in the movie, by the way, um, most of it isn't true. So if you do see the movie, <laughs> really, I haven't. You know, I ha I've been wanting to see that, but I haven't had a chance to. It's supposed to be on Sandro Audio Described because when it first it came is. out. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um. Somebody on the Weird Al. Uh. Someone on the fan group. I was. You know. They told me they downloaded it and couldn't find it. And I'm trying to find the link because I was watching it at um a, a friend's house because she has Seto and she was willing to watch with me. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. It. Most of it's not true. If you're, he made it for his hardcore fans who know who he is and they know most of it's not true. But you'd be right. amazed at the questions people ask. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Well, it's a parody of a biopic. Um, it's a parody of a biopic and you know how biopics themselves take great liberties and some of the things that, that you see in biopics about for the, dramatic effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Al, Al, you know, so much of what Al put in that, in his biopic is so not true, but you know, Daniel Radcliffe, um, you know, Harry Potter play weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> right. Exactly. But then again, I never thought he could play an American, which no. he's done on several occasions. I know, isn't that amazing? I mean, I yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen the Harry Potter, Harry Potter movies. I'm a little conflicted about paying to see one because you, you enjoyed have, the book so much. Well, no, I haven't. Um, oh. I haven't gotten around to them yet. But here's the thing: really? um, I don't know if your listeners know the controversy, but a few years ago, maybe a year was it a year ago or two? Uh, J.K. Rowling's said something. Yes. That, 
Yeah, about the trans. I just read about that. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, if you're a transgender supporter, you know, and I have friends that love Harry Potter. They they write fan fiction. They read his stuff. So I'm not I'm not necessarily saying everybody has to do this, because everybody, you know, it's 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 really up to you how you support and what you support and what you do. But there's people in the transgender community who who are deeply offended by that, and so. If I decide to read the Harry Potter series because I just hadn't gotten around to it, I'll have to borrow someone's books because I don't want to pay for them and support J.K. Rowling's when right. she has such um, what they call trans-exclusionary radical feminism opinions. It's very, um, I just find it very ungodded. So I want, yeah, I, I want to say that we have more than surpassed our time for the interview. Oh, no. <laughs> At, no, no, don't. Hey. <laughs> I'll Was make it a goddamn two-parter if I have to. <laughs> well, did you have other questions? Because I was curious what made you want to do the interview because I was wondering if you'd seen my post about trying out for The Voice or what, what, uh, what prompted you? I'm really curious. The fact that you, you're, you were talking about your channel and I thought, why not feature this woman on the interview? Because... I'm not sure if you know that my channel also broadcasts the Blind Handyman and Blind Like Me shows. Okay, um, I, I saw, I did see links on there to some of those. Yes, and yeah. and those were the precursors to my Meet Me show. Wow! Um, because when I went blind about twenty years ago, um, Blind Like Me and the Blind Handyman were the two shows that helped me. Um, not only adjust and adapt to my blindness, but to accept it. Oh, good. And awesome. since then, I've been trying to do what Phil Parr did, which was get people to look at visual disabilities as being more of a, you know, Right now, the word escapes me because you've wowed me so much on this interview. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's it's more of a, it's not a disability, it's an inconvenience. That's I, I, all it is. It is an inconvenience. I'll go a step further with this because we have, I'm going to use some language that your listeners might not think is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but I feel like it's very important to share this if you're willing to do, if you're willing to turn it into a two-parter or find a way to include this. But um, as a blind woman uh, who has been blind most of my life, I've always felt that we as blind people have the opportunity, you know, we came into this world to show the sighted world that um, their way of you know, seeing, so to speak, or perceiving the world is not the only one. It is not, there are other valid ways of seeing the world and ours is one of those valid ways. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that I grew up thinking my braille books were cooler than my brother's printed books. Um, you know, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't running around wishing I could see and wishing I were sighted. I kind of thought being blind was awesome. And, you know, don't you sighties wish you could be me? Ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I learned about the Black Power movement a little bit and, you know, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King um, in my 20s because um, I, when I was my in college, my first year, I liked a black guy and, and made me want to learn about his culture. And um, 
you know, I never looked back really. I mean, the, the guys that I dated after that were black. Um, my ex-husband is black. <laughs> my wife is French real. That's part black. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. I, once you go black, you never go back, I guess. But, um, <laughs> one of the, but one of the, one of the phrases they use that I love to love is black is beautiful. And, um, I try not to, I used to say that phrase a lot. I try not to now because I don't want to, um, I don't want to minimize their movements. You know, the when they say black lives matter, I'm not one of those who say blind lives matter too, because we are dealing or with everyone matters. No, because we aren't dealing with police brutality. We aren't being killed for breathing wrong or looking at a police officer funny. Yes. You know, what we're going through as blind people is not a walk in the park, but it is not the level of abuse and death and violence that happens to black people, especially black men, but women as well. So, you know, if you're one of these blind people who goes around saying blind lives matter, please stop because yeah. yes, your life matters, but you do not need to take the black experience and insist that you have to have, you know, that is their experience. That is their slogan. Make your own slogan up, you know, right. as white people, we have a responsibility to check our privilege and own our privilege. And, you know, and we have a responsibility to, have respect and kindness for those that we have, you know, uh, oh, I could go on, I could go on and on about this. But anyway, my, my point is that I'm deeply inspired by the black community and a lot of their movements. And so between learning about that and how feminism talks about women's experiences and being oppressed by the patriarchy, um, mm. I will sometimes talk about, you know, I, you know, I, I do not, I, I no longer want to be oppressed by, the cytocracy or citriarchy. <laughs> um, right. You, you know, um, I talk a lot about um, as blind people, we are a culture and a community. I know that pisses people off and they don't like to, to believe it. And mm -hmm. that's okay. But there are some who do. And I'm one of them. Um, I think we are as blind people are a culture. We have something unique to bring to this world. We have, you know, and to me, I don't see my blindness as an inconvenience. I see it as another beautiful and wonderful facet of me and of mm -hmm. you and of every single one of us who is blind. It's it's just it's like our hair color. It's like our it's like our philosophy, our faith, whatever it is we're into. It's like, you know, for me, it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. Um, if you've ever seen a crystal cluster where it's like a piece of rock with baby crystals coming out of it, sometimes. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the one where the crystals are so tiny they look like braille dots? I have. Yes. See, so to me, that to me is proof right there that the goddess is indeed a blind woman. Just think on that for a moment. <laughs> no, no, I see. I, I can see it. <laughs> you and, know, and it's a fair point. You know, the fact is, you are the epitome of what this show is for. Well, thank you. <laughs> The fact is, uh, a lot of people don't think the way you do. A lot of people think, oh, God, I'm blind. I can't do this. I can't do that. No. How can you do it? Exactly. There might be things that you don't think you can do, maybe because it's, you know, you're not interested in learning it or because, you know, um, yeah. I know I'm not good at doing arts and crafts because I, can't, I don't cut paper very straight. 
Um, but that doesn't mean it's because I'm blind. It just means I don't cut straight. Maybe I could learn some some way if I wanted to. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, don't don't assume you can't do something because you're blind. If it's just something you don't want to do, fine. But don't use your blindness as an excuse why you can't do it because there's probably only one thing we can't do yet, and that's drive. And that won't be the way it is forever once we get these self-driving cars perfected. You know. God, I miss driving. I can't wait. To, I want to fly. Damn it! I want to self-drive. <laughs> I'm a self-driving flying car. <laughs> well, amazingly enough, the, my last interview, which I did this past Monday, oh, she she loves doing Microsoft Flight Simulator. Really, she's an avid a aviatrix who inspires to be the next. Uh, oh God, I just drew a blank on what her name is. Uh, Amelia Earhart. <laughs> wow, that would be amazing. You know, and it's like, wow, so many connections. <laughs> That's fun. Wow, that but, would be wow. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it, it it's just so amazing what people can find out there if they look and just listen yep. to other people's voices and experiences. Definitely, definitely. And being a part of that experience is what you are all about. Thank you for being my experience today. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll and I want, I want to say that this has been not only the quickest interview setup I've ever done, because honestly, I I went from one minute asking you for an interview to the next minute doing the interview. <laughs> um, I have to say, this was so pleasurable for me. I wish all uh, all everybody was like you. I have so Thank much you. trouble finding interviews because. I don't, well, I honestly don't know why people don't want to talk about their experiences. Well, I'll talk about mine all day. Um, shameless plug, you can have me on here anytime you want to. You can talk about all kinds of things. As you can tell, I can talk about a lot of different things at not. Yes, <laughs> I hope so. And I, and I do plan to, to place your channel's address in the description box for anyone who wants to subscribe. Please do. Uh, I will. To your I'm channel, just, yeah. I am just just a warning. I'm starting out right now. I have been. I, I did a few. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say it, but I I had a a sighted friend help me to make a few videos last year, and then I kind of stopped because I'm like, well, people can't. You know, people want to be able to see what's going on, and I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm starting to decide that I don't really give a damn anymore. I'm just going to start posting, and if people don't like the visual right. aesthetics of it. I'm a blind woman. What do you expect? You <laughs> are, to it. <laughs> you are a human being and you are talking about your experiences and that's all you can be expected to do. Well, thank you. Uh, the fact is a lot of people I've been, I've been criticizing audible for this. Yes. Um, they have all kinds of podcasts on their, on their service. And don't get me wrong. I appreciate the fact that their podcasts are so well produced. Sure. But that's just it. They're all well produced. They don't <laughs> have the common man up there. It's, yeah, it's almost too polished. Right. 
You can find Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway and Saturday Night Idol Party on Alexa. Nice. You can find it on there. You can find it on the Victor line of players. Nice. But not in the caliber that you'll find on Audible. The fact is we are not professional by any stretch of the imagination. And I yeah. hope people don't don't expect that. But we're us. real. <laughs> yeah, we're real. That's it. <laughs> That's it, exactly. And I just want to thank you for being on the show. And you are more than welcome to come back anytime you wish. <laughs> All right, then. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it was a it was an honor. I, you know, I told my wife, I said, yeah, this gentleman wants to interview me. I, I don't know what I did, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> so that was Kelly Hyde. Now, I've got some bonus material for you guys that I think you'll enjoy. Um, it was originally recorded prior to the interview. However, Kelly has given me permission to broadcast it. And uh, I think it's a great look into the person she is and uh, what makes her who she is. So enjoy the bonus material, and we'll see you next week. Just remember, if you want to be a part of this show, send me your email. Meet me on blindlife at gmail.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, okay, let me make a different distinction. There's there's lesbian porn that men like, and then there's real lesbian porn that's made for lesbians by mes- lesbians. We don't really involve men in that as much as as, as far as I understand it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. No, I'm serious. I had a guy hit on me years ago telling me how much he loves lesbian porn. I'm like, dude, I don't care. I'm gay. I don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> Would you please go talk to the dear your boys about that in the locker room? I'm not really interested. <laughs> no kidding. It was yeah. It it was stupid. I, I have. I have I have to ask, are you embarrassed about your age? No, not really. I mean, I don't know if I want that to be the first question, but I'm sure we No, but I'd that. like to know personally. Oh, well, I'm 51 years old, dude. Um, I turned 52. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a little bit, uh, well, you know, I'm a little older than probably some of us in the community these days. I don't know. Well, <laughs> What's your age? Necessarily. I mean, <laughs> how, uh, when do you hit 52? In May. In May? Oh. Yeah. Can I ask what date? May 7th, yeah. (laughs) No kidding. My daughter hits 21, May 8th. Oh, fellow Taurus. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fellow Taurus. Which means I can tell I'm not going to like you at all. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) sorry to hear that. Well, I mean, I have to say, she hasn't approached me with any boyfriends yet. So, um, well, I mean, it it might be, it might be going that way. It just might. Mm, Who knows? Well, yeah. How old? 18? I'm sorry. She's how old? 21. 21. Why did I think 18? Pat me on the head. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Oh my Um, goodness. I'm actually hitting 52 in, in November. Ah, what are you, a Scorpio then or a Sag? Yes, I am. Oh, Scorpios are awesome. (laughs) But, uh, everybody, I, I, I really hate it because it, it, it kind of essentially leaves me with 
a bad reputation of which I am not at all. Because they say we're closed, we're closed and secretive and mysterious. But I'm an open book. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you straight out what's going on with me. Awesome. Then you, you know, like- so it's like, what's going on? Why do people think Scorpios are so mysterious? Well, I mean, I've known a couple of them that are a little bit, you know, maybe they're a little on the darker, like they, they don't show their whole selves. They have a bit of a shadow aspect that maybe they hide, but maybe you have other signs in your, uh, wheelhouse. I don't know a bunch about astrology, but you could have other moon signs, rising signs. Um, I don't know. Um, sleeping till noon signs. I have no idea what, to, I don't really know a lot about astrology. I mean, <laughs> You think I would? I'm into new age stuff, right? But um, it's it could be you have other influences. Maybe. Why would wait, 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 wait? Yeah, is that isn't that a a a, a misguided trope though? What lesbians being into astrology? <laughs> I don't know. It it's not that I'm not into it. I just don't understand it. Um, I guess I mean. I mean, so, you read your horoscope in the paper, and that's it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's most of us. <laughs> probably, but you know, well, but I'm also, um, if you, I don't know if you've seen my page where I talk a little bit about my, you know, some of the things that I'm into. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Wiccan. And so if you are a witch or Wiccan, I actually, witch is more accurate. I don't know if I'm pure Wiccan. I'm, I, I would say pagan, a little Wiccan, definitely a witch. Um, so we're supposed to be into astrology. So you believe in the goddess? I do. I believe, uh, I, I'm a, I'm what they call a dianic witch or feminist witch in that I believe in the goddess. I don't wor- really worship any male deities. Um, I was raised Christian, so once in a while I'll still work with Jesus's energy, like he's the token male I work with. Otherwise, for me, it's all about the goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what dianic witches are, that they're very feminist. Um, the only way I differ from uh, dianic witches or dianic witches is that a lot of Diana witches are very traditionalist in that they don't, they believe that the only women who are really allowed in their practice are women who were assigned female at birth. So if you're a transgender woman, uh, you're just kind of SOL about, you know, in the Dianic faith, it's kind of not very inclusive or nice in that way. So really? I think of myself as an inclusive Dianic witch or I call, I've been lately, I've, I looked up the word Thea and it's the feminine word for goddess. Like, you know mm-hmm. how Theos means God. That's where we get the word thi- theology. Right. Um, so Thea means goddess. So I call myself a Thean witch because I'm about the goddess, but it doesn't have the connotations that a lot of Dianic witchcraft has of being trans exclusionary and not very nice for trans people, unfortunately. Right. Right. Um, so I still, it's still, for me, it's still worship of the goddess, no male gods. Um, and I like to, I prefer practicing with women, um, as far as like practicing in circles or covens, but I have male friends I'll practice with in private sometimes. It just depends. And if they mm-hmm. want to bring their male gods, that's fine. I'm not like, you know, miss gatekeeper here, but when it comes to like pra- the circles or covens, I practice with officially, I, I guess I'd say circles rather than covens, but those are all female, all women. Um, now I have to, I mean, this begs the question. Sure. Do you actually perform spells, jinx, curses? Okay, that's something very um, important. Um, I do not believe 
in cursing. I don't believe in, um, I, I mean, you can do it. It's certainly, um, it's certainly your business if you want to do it. I don't think that it's a very wise thing for my practice because for me, cursing, um, you, you are basically sending negative energy out to someone mm-hmm. else. And that's going to come, you know, most, I do believe in the Wiccan read. If you do that, it's going to come back to you threefold. Um, I think that there are situations where perhaps, you know, if you, if you, if you within your heart and soul are like, okay, this person, for example, if we're talking about a psychopath who has been serial murdering or raping women or killing children and people, I, 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 if a witch told me that she hexed or cursed someone like that, I don't know that I would have, I couldn't, I, I, I can't lie. I probably wouldn't have a problem with that because this person, you know, is out there doing harm to people and he needs to be, or she needs to be bound. Um, so again, I would probably rather not curse them because I don't want that coming back on me, but I couldn't Mm -hmm. really fault another witch if she did it. Um, or a binding spell at the least where that to, to prevent them from harming other people. Um, the other issue of course is if you, if you fuck it up, you're looking at a bounce back of, of extreme proportions. It, it can, that can happen too. You want to, you know, you really want to know what you're doing. And especially because if you're cursing someone and then you are calling on what we would probably call lower vibrational entities to help you, you really want to watch out what doors you're opening because you may not be able to close them. And those entities might decide, Hey, you know, <laughs> you know, this practitioner who kind of called on us, kind of compelled us to do something and we were kind of enjoying our coffee date and then they just kind of zapped us and told us we have to come curse this person for them. We don't like that. I think we're going to have a little fun with them in return. So you really want to be careful. You know, first of all, if is it, is it going to be worth the consequences if you're going to do it? And second of all, you better be protecting yourself and you, you know, if you don't believe in karma, then I guess it's kind of a moot point, but if you do, then you need to be able to justify to yourself and your, goddess, god, creatrix, creator, whomever, you need to be able to justify to them and yourself, why did I curse this person? Was it actually, did I actually, was it really worth it? Did I have a good reason or was this, because you're sending bad energy and you're going to, you know, how that, 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 it feels yucky when you feel bad energy. So sending it out, you know, if you really think about it, doesn't that kind of feel gross? Don't you kind of feel dirty? It's like, maybe I should have flipped that person out who, you know, uh, pushed me in line or who I, I was driving with my wife, they cut us off. Maybe I really shouldn't have hexed them. I mean, they were probably just having a shitty day, you know, or flipped them right. off or whatever. So right. it's not something you ever want to take lightly, but um, no, yeah, I don't do it because I don't feel comfortable. Uh, the most I ever have done was a binding spell or a prayer asking for justice, which, okay, you know, you know like I was, I was, I was, um, just a real short, I was abused sexually growing up and I have asked for justice many times because there wasn't a whole lot of support, um, for me and the person who did it was a family member who was pretty much the darling of the family and still is. So, you know, but again, if I, if I curse them, then what does that say about me? How does that make me look? That doesn't mean I don't ask for justice. And if he ends up burning in hell and I get a front row seat, I might watch and be gleeful. <laughs> but I'm also, but I'm also not going to, um, I'm not going to curse. I'm just, you know, there's, right. There's, whatever, there's, no, whatever shit happens to, was it he or she who, him. it was a him. Def, yeah. It was a him. Whatever bad shit happens to him, 
good for him, but yeah, you're hurt. not gonna you're not gonna stand by and cause it. I'm not gonna cause it, but I won't be heartbroken either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like if somebody says I'm gonna curse you, I'm gonna curse them for you for your birthday. I'll be like, well, long, well, okay, as long as you know what you're doing. I I feel bad if you got karmic payback for to do that for me, but you know, thank you. I guess. <laughs> 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 I can imagine, you know, he makes a wish for his birthday and you're the one with the, with the wish. You get the wish entirely. <laughs> well, that all depends on what his wish is. Like if he wishes for, you know, front row seats to some Super Bowl game, he can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care. But if someone spills their drink all over him, then, um, that would really be fun. <laughs> you know, I just, it, it, it's, it's interesting, interesting you say that because I just read an article about the most streamed um, item on the internet is the Super Bowl. Oh, gee. Illegally yeah. streamed. Le- illegally or legally? Illegally. Oh. <laughs> See, I'm you a know, football widow over here. My wife watches football and, you know, I'm like, okay, you watch your game. I'm going to go surf YouTube and see what kind of mischief I can come up with. <laughs> Sometimes I'll watch it just for the commercials if it's the Super Bowl. Or, you know, if I get an invite to a Super Bowl party, I'll go, well, I'll come, but on one condition. Do we get to sit and, you know, what about, can can some of us go talk in the kitchen? Because if we're here for the game and we're going to be told to be quiet if we want to talk, this isn't the party <laughs> I want to go to. I want to go right. to the one where the, you know, people go off and chit-chat in the kitchen and while the guys are off in the living room exactly yeah or the women who like football too and all night in all fairness i'm just not one of them (laughs) no and 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 to be honest i would be with the women in the in the kitchen as opposed to watching the super bowl uh see what i mean exactly it's like um it's to me football is overrated right my wife rachel loves the cowboys and that's cool my mom likes the green bay packers because we grew up in wisconsin or mm-hmm. I grew up in Wisconsin until I was about 10. You know, mm-hmm. um, one of my friends loves them who lives in Wisconsin still. You know, I have another friend who likes this team or that. I don't really care. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no nice way to say it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I was interested in the Super Bowl once when I was in college. Okay. But that was yeah. mostly because I wanted to go over my friends and play some pool. See, exactly. It's the ulterior motive for me too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My wife and I are polyamorous. So, I mean, if there's a really cute girl, <laughs> then yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But you know, and she's, and you know, of course, if you do, and if you would, I just dropped a big word polyamorous. If you haven't heard of that. No, um, no, I have. I have. Okay. Yeah. So I actually did a show on it once. Oh, I need to go look for that then. Cause I was looking, I was stalking your page a little earlier today. I need to find it. <laughs> <laughs> um actually yes it is on on whose blind life is it anyway awesome. but we moved that the show the saturday night adult party to its own channel oh. uh mostly because most most of the shows on the whose blind network is essentially pg rated uh oh, oh okay yeah right yeah and uh snap is uh, extremely are well it's x-rated i oh okay yeah <laughs> yeah i uh, mean we talk about dildos we talk about everything <laughs> yeah. um and we don't use you know censored words like vagina or 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 penis or anything like we that we call it out pussies dicks and cunts oh, right. gotcha so <laughs> you know okay. so i'm not i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to mince words. Why should I? Why should yeah, people yeah. expect me to? It, yeah. Well, and of course, um, now in all fairness, um, polyamory isn't, it can be a rated PG subject. Not always are because people who are poly also do have families. Um, sometimes if they live in a particularly conservative state, they have to be extremely careful about how they come out or if they come out as poly because they can, right. they can end up having kids taken away from them by nosy, you know, no, some nosy, uh, fundamentalist neighbor might you know spy on them go to social services yeah that just be just be happy you don't live in utah oh jesus no but i do live in texas if i lived outside of austin (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean come on texas is a lot more um i'm not going to say conservative but they are much more open-minded than utah yeah, that's true. Although you would be surprised. I'm shocked. I heard, I read recently that the U, that Utah does actually have a thriving gay community. How that happened, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. There. It's, it's, it's Mormons. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. How do, how does the gay community thrive in, in a, you know, in a, where, in, where it's majority Mormons? I don't know. Um, but they. No, you know, but they, how does, uh, uh, what I'm wondering is how Polly, doesn't flourish in the Mormon country. <laughs> oh, because that's a different thing. Polyamory is is not polygamy. Polygamy means well. Okay, if we're using dictionary definition, polygamy just means multiple marriages. However, that's the denotation. The connotation, however, is a little different. Usually, when like if in a lot of the polyam Facebook groups that I'm in, um, if somebody comes in the group saying, "Yeah, I'm polygamous," um. I'm looking for a sister wife. They will be banned because polyamory is very different than the way polygamy is practiced. Polygamy is often practiced, especially with, I don't mean to stereotype, but some of the Mormon breakaway cults that you hear about on TV, Mm -hmm. um, the way it works is you've got one, you have a, you have older men or a man or men in power who take younger women, sometimes underage as, you know, as wives, yes. Yeah, and um, the the younger men don't even, you know, the the younger men are basically men, meant to do the work around the community. They're kind of sli- in, they're kind of treated like slaves or servants. Right. Uh, not much better than the women, um, but the but the women are definitely not treated correctly. Um, right. I mean, um, Rachel and I. Now, watched- mind you, yeah. let's be let's be honest. That is a, a common. What's the word I'm looking for? Trope. I'm not going to say misconception because for all I know, it could be entirely true. Right. But we really don't know because we don't live the life out there. Well, that's, that's, that is definitely true. Um, uh, because I, I mean, I, 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 I hate to sit in judgment of any group. I do too. But I will say if you watch a show like Escaping Polygamy, <laughs> um, is there sh- such a show? There really is. I don't know if they're, you know, I don't know if they're putting out any episodes, but Rachel and I watched a couple seasons of Escaping Polygamy. It was actually about a young, uh, a group of young women who had managed to get away from a cult and they were helping other women, especially underage women and you know, little girls and their mothers trying to escape polygamy. So yeah, that actually is a thing. Um, and I understand for your purposes in your show, you don't want to sit in judgment. Um, I, but for me, it's a, it's a very hot button. Uh, I don't, I don't like it when I hear 
my lifestyle compared to to polygamy because oh it's no no different. no I would um, never do that yeah we don't and, just and, empower women <laughs> um, yeah no I mean for <laughs> my show I have to admit I was in a polyamory relationship at awesome. one point oh wow awesome okay cool um and but how- then at some point I I I got married. Um, that's funny. My wife and I went the other way around. First we, we were monogamous. We got married and then we opened it up. That's fascinating. So you and your wife are monogamous? Uh, yes, we are. Well, I, I try to be. I try try to be. (laughs) I should say, yes. Well, Um, that begs another question. Polyamory can be an orientation just like, um, I don't think they call it a sexual orientation, but they call it a relationship orientation. If I, if I, you know, you may, you know, that you may be wired that way where polyamory comes more natural to you and it's a little harder to be monogamous. And that's okay, you know, if, I mean, you and your wife. Well. It, yeah, that's a whole, I, I, I don't mean to put on be, <laughs> if, if I can be honest with you and, and, and say that um, I, like, I love my wife dearly. Oh, that's wonderful. And I, I know I would not be here where I am today if it weren't for her. Oh, that's wonderful. Having said that, for the first, I would say, 15 years of our marriage, it was basically sexless. Ooh, okay. Because my wife had a huge uh, issue when she gave birth to my daughter. Oh no. Yeah. My daughter was two months early. Oh geez, okay. And um <clears throat> when she was born she developed an some type of infection. Oh geez, okay. So penetration for her was very, very painful. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. On Could top you- of that, she comes ver- from a very Catholic slash Christian culture. She is Filipino. Oh, okay. So <clears throat> sex in the Philippines is, well, not really talked about. Oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. I mean, to her, oral was the way you ate, not the way you sucked dick. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about giving her oral as well? Did she, you know? Nope. She absolutely abhors that. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. wait. I have to sit with this from a woman, a woman who does not like oral sex. I really, did I just walk into the twilight zone? It's hard to imagine that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it, it is out. I have heard of it. It's very, I find it rare, but there are women who do not like to be given oral sex or to, you know, to receive it or to give it. Um, right. Which. And, and you know what? My issue is that I can't think of anything else but giving pleasure. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Because that's the type of person I am. And because I have a mother complex. Wow. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've got a mother complex that I want to make my mother feel as good as she can. Yeah. Uh, and, do you have a and, 
mind you, when I say mother, I mean whatever woman I'm with. Yeah, your mama. Your, your yeah. mama. I got, yeah. and, and it started because of my mama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least that's what my therapist says anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, well, yeah. um, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. for all I know, it could be because it started with my father. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I don't you know. know. I, I don't know. I haven't. It's been so long. I haven't been into Freudian psychology. I found it was a little bit sexist. And Oh, no, we're not talking Freudian. We're, we're talking, talking Pavlov. Ah, 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 yes. Okay, well, I figured as much, but I just had to, I had to add that anyway. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Um, um yeah. having said that, yeah. I am going to warn you, we are recording. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were. Uh, are you able to, we're live, right? So you can't edit. <laughs> no, no, we're not live. We're not live. We're, I'm recording. Right. I edit the stuff later. <laughs> okay. So do we have to take out about half of what we were just talking about now? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe I'll splice it into the, the, you know, the bloopers at the end. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Well, um, let me know. If- Although there wasn't much blooperisms going on. I mean, we had a wonderful conversation. I have to. Catch Meet Me every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Till next week.